Hey there, my name is Vosh. I live stream on YouTube and Twitch, and sometimes I even upload the good bits. This is Previously Live. Howdy, howdy. Um, I was, <laughs> I was watching the stream and my brain didn't actually fully process the words we'll wait for the interviewer person. I was thinking, oh, he'll just message me at the time that we had already agreed upon. No, I, uh, I've, I've duped you. I was actually referring to you the entire time. Um, also, I'm so sorry about the timing. I am very bad at math. It's because I'm gay. Oh, that's fair. And I understand. And also same. Uh, you have nothing to worry about. Um, but yeah, uh, hit me up. Um, oh, first of all, name and yeah, pronouns. Pronoun. And we'll, right, we'll work from there. <laughs> okay, hi, my name's Kate. Um, I go by any pronouns, but she, they is usually my default too. Doesn't really matter for me though. Um, I am an undergraduate in my senior year and uh, I, I'm going to be a super senior next year because someone is bad at not taking classes without having a mental breakdown. Fun um, and reasonable. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I'm planning to actually do some undergraduate research, uh, like an independent research study with one of my professors. Um, I'm political science and philosophy. I. Um, and my, one of my philosophy professors, sorry, one of my political science professors, I'm a little bit nervous. So if I stutter or anything, that's why. No worries at all um, and nothing to be concerned about. Well, thank you very much. Uh, she offered to be the mentor on this project and, um, I'm thinking of using this as like a writing sample and also I'd like to publish it. Uh, I, I plan to go to grad school. Like I'd like to go on a PhD tract, um, all that good stuff. Well, I um, I hope to assist in any way that I can. Awesome. Well, the project that I'm working on is, well, uh, hmm. we're trying to figure out how likely it is that someone could engage with like this kind of moderate right-wing content and be moved over down that alt-right rabbit hole. So how likely is it someone could be a Ben Shapiro fan one day and then a year later they're watching Nick Fuentes? Um, this is a subject it, on which I have some degree of expertise. Uh, so yeah, I'm very happy to lend funny. my thoughts. Well, thank you very much for your time and your contribution. So uh, the first question, uh, what figures on the right should or sorry, which figures on the right do you consider the most prominent? Um, well, statistically, I'm pretty sure Ben Shapiro and Candace Owens are some of the largest ones in terms of the mm -hmm. online right. I mean, obviously, in terms of like political figures, you know, Donald Trump is the current um, headpiece. But uh, in, in terms of online engagement, you have those two. Uh, Tucker Carlson obviously is a massive broadcaster. I would argue that in some respects, Joe Rogan commands a pretty prominent right-wing um, portion uh, of his audience. Um, you have uh, 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 Steven Crowder, though I think that he's kind of eclipsed by those other three to a pretty significant extent. Um, oh, I'm hearing an echo, by the way. Do you have headphones in? I do have headphones in. Um, that is interesting. How could I be hearing myself then? I don't know. Let me turn down the volume on my computer and see if the... Sometimes they just feed back into themselves. Is this any better? Hello, hello. I think that's better. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I'd say those are some of the largest figures, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, so of those figures, which ones do you think have like audiences that are the most primed for like further radicalization to the right? Um, I would probably say, hmm, I would probably say Crowder. Um, oh God, honestly, all of, I feel like all of them do. Um, to, in different ways, there are different avenues in which all of them are have audiences which I feel would be susceptible in that respect. Gotcha. It's, uh, it is definitely a terrifying topic a little bit, just thinking about how 
someone could be watching an edgy comedian like Crowder and then uh, that leads them to thinking that black people are bad or, um, I don't know, Jews run the world. It's been known to happen. Um, oh, I, if I if I might ask, because I still hear an echo, I'm afraid. Um, would you no. mind uh, just switching to push to talk? Sorry for the inconvenience. No, it's okay. I'm going to turn you down first, and then I'm going to switch to push to talk. Give me just a second. Thank you very much. Okay, is this any better? Uh, well, yeah. If it's push to talk, then yeah, I won't. I won't be able to hear myself during an interview, so that's perfectly fine. Uh, my apologies. Yeah, I, audio stuff. It's it's always an audio thing, and it's every person I talk to. It's always some new thing. I, I you mm -hmm. know, I, Discord has different like input sensitivities for different mic types. It's it's dumb. Right. I actually. Uh, you let go of the push to talk key. I'm so sorry. No worries. You said <laughs> I, I had a friend. <laughs> I had my friend uh, help me with my audio today um, just because I know you have an audio thing. Uh, Discord really hates you, dude. Yeah, I'd say so. Maybe they're controlled by one of them alt-right groups, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a um, concerted effort to uh, undermine me specifically. <laughs> so... Another aspect of this study is we're not just asking about uh, figures, we're also asking about like memes, symbols, stuff like that. Are there any prominent ones that I should be aware of aside from like, I don't know, the Groiper? Well, Pepe the Frog was like the predominant alt-right symbol for a good long time. Um, but it's kind of been reclaimed now. I see it used all over the place. I don't think it has the punch that it used to, which is definitely a good thing. Um, I completely agree. Uh, you know, you, you, you have that. Um, there is uh, a... Um, let me think. Well, there's all the QAnon aligned stuff, but that's not really, that's not really ambiguous. Um, you, you know, I don't really think there are any QAnon mm -hmm. dog whistles that have just kind of been integrated into mainstream discourse. Um, mm -hmm. I, I would say that at the moment, the line between the alt-right and the rest of uh, the rest of the internet is more clear now than it has been ever before, which is definitely a good thing. I agree. It makes it a lot easier to figure out where these people are, um, especially since like in 2016, they were so thoroughly integrated into our internet society that it was like is this an alt writer or are they just like a misogynistic asshole yeah the um the the effectiveness of the dog whistles can only really last for so long eventually they're either going to be exposed or more effectively i think co-opted uh, nothing irritates far-right mm -hmm. people more than their um their symbols being like co-opted and used by normies. They they despise it. You can see it on their forums. They get so angry, and it's very, very, very funny. Um, so um, like they hate, for example, they really hate the fact that "based" is a um, is a commonly used term, uh, pretty like pretty much everywhere now, which is very, very funny, um, I, because it robs them of the ability to distinguish in and out groups. It's no longer an entry point. It's no longer a way of hooking people with the utility of a phrase and then getting them involved with all of the associated, you know, dog whistles and political affiliations. Mm -hmm. um, it's just a term that people use. That's a good thing. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> sorry, my thoughts are a little bit scattered. You have nothing to uh, apologize about. I'd also like to ask about, like, de-radicalization. Which left-wing figures do you think are the most prominent for that? Um, I'd like to include them as sort of distractor questions. Um, well, ContraPoints is the one given the most credit for it. Um, I think she got a New York Times article, which is, you know, a pretty pretty uh, large degree of prominence for that particular subject. Um, I think... I think for the for the most part, the people who are going to be most effective at de-radicalization are the people who can produce content which is interesting and informative, even if you're not already part of the left-wing bubble. Um, ContraPoints right. is a very high-quality YouTuber. The, the quality of the content 
that she produces is 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 fantastic, and I, I think that just means mm-hmm. there's a general appeal. She's willing to engage with uh, edgy topics, use edgy language. You know, she doesn't come off as some kind of like cringy outsider who's uh, appropriating these discussions for clicks or views, um, and that's good. Um, I think uh, H Bomb is pretty good at it as well, H Bomber guy, because he mm-hmm. does media reviews, um, and everyone consumes media, uh, and you know, right. if you're whether you're alt right or left leaning, if you want, you know, to watch a cool video on Fallout New Vegas or whatever, it's 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 a good avenue for introduction. Um, I, I would say, if anything, mm-hmm. the people best at de-radicalizing are the people who make the best use of the diversity of tactics principle. The idea that the best way to succeed in a political sphere is to uh, go beyond just explicit advocacy for your position to. Um, to, to instead focus on appealing to people mm-hmm. through a number of mediums and through a number of topics. Absolutely, and that kind of answers my next question, which was about the best way to de-radicalize someone, but uh, using that diversity of tactics principle, I completely agree. Um, it's it, it's really, really good, you know? People, people who are in the far right aren't going to click on a video from an obviously left-leaning person and go like, all right, maybe I will learn about toxic masculinity. Like, they're just, they're just not going to. Why would they? It wouldn't even be fun for them. I don't do it for them. Right. Like, I don't, I don't go online and think like, um, you know, let's, um, let me, um, today, let's get the perspective of a alt-writer on this complicated gender issue. Why would I do that? That sounds dumb. Um, but if, if I'm looking for like a video some kind of anime review or whatever I know that if a person who's alt-right made a video talking about like um, Fully Cooley or, or Evangelion or something it'd be way more effective at getting me mm-hmm. into their content if nothing else yeah I completely agree most of what I consume now uh, aside from watching your streams is uh, media reviews I don't watch a lot of YouTube anymore just because I don't have the time as much but um Media reviews have always been something I've been super into, so I can completely agree there. Yeah, comedy is another big avenue. Um, the um, you know a, a, a ton of far right people online today are failed comedians, or they hide behind comedy as a way of presenting their Absolutely. opinions. And the aesthetic of being like the you know devil may care you know edgy comedian who's willing to say anything. Um, that's uh, it's it's a really effective way of getting people interested in what you have to say because it gives you plausible deniability Mm -hmm. and that way if you're attacked you can frame it as people attacking you know your you know your your edgy free spirit which is you know it just comes across as bad optically (laughs) yeah you're completely right i mean uh, the right is getting better at comedy is maybe one of the funniest lines i've ever heard in my life i've never met a right winger who is funny. Have you? Uh, no. Though I have met a lot of right wingers who use comedy, um, for political purposes. They definitely do that more aggressively than left leaning yeah. people do. Right leaning people are just better at you know not sounding preachy. If you're to ignore the exactly. moral worth of these statements, you know, left leaning people will go on Twitter all the time and make explicit declarative statements about their political positions with a moral impetus involved. You know, I'm tired of society not standing up for trans women, yada yada. Which I mean, I agree with it, um, mm-hmm. but very relatively uncommon are posts from conservatives going up there and we need to stop accepting black people into our institutions like that even though there are a lot of people who kind of feel that way like that degree of explicit preachy out there like they 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 work around it they dog whistle they um you know they they obfuscate and comedy is just such an effective way of getting people on board with that it's it's so Mm -hmm. so useful I had this conversation with uh, actually the professor who's mentoring me on this project. Um, the right tends to be better at using like certain manipulation tactics because their ideas are just less palatable. They need to dress them up. And uh, I, I guess as leftists, we kind of get up all in our own heads and assume that because we're right, that everybody's going to see it that way and that we don't need to... Um, change how we deliver information yeah it's um a 
an ineffective and regressive mindset that I strongly disagree with. Um, we, we should be as aggressive, if not more aggressive, in our willingness to pursue different avenues for delivering our talking points, um, as long as it doesn't mm -hmm. involve uh, dishonesty. I don't think we need to be dishonest. Um, right. There's no reason for us to lie. Yeah. Uh, how many people come to you and say that you have been part of their de-radicalization? I'm trying to get like a grasp on how many people have like gone through this alt-right radicalization and how effective it is to have, you know, online uh, media entities who are part of that de-radicalization network. I could not count the number of people. A large, large number of people. Um, so it, a very high frequency. It happens every single day in emails and chat. Mm -hmm. um, I, I have I, I could not possibly make an effort to count. It is a very frequent thing that I hear. That makes sense. And uh, I'm not saying I've ever been like radicalized to the right, but you definitely did move me to the actual left away from like being a sock dem. So uh, my pleasure. There was a poll just done on my website chat, by the way, of which one third of the respondents claimed that they had been de-radicalized by me. If you were to extrapolate awesome. that to the size of my channel, that's probably a very large number of people. I would assume so. Um, it would be great if I could actually do like some formal polling on your uh, audience, but um, that would be kind of complicated. So It definitely would um, be. Yeah. Uh, how frequently... I just read my own question again. What terms do all writers tend to refer to themselves with? Like, what are their common dog whistles now? Um, I know that Nick Fuentes was like calling himself a trad calf, and there was like the was it Christian nationalism? That's I can't a remember one. at this point. Um, yeah, they they're constantly alternating between talking points. Um, I don't know, tradcon, Christian nationalist, paleoconservative, true conservative, original conservative, originalist conservative, um, paleocon, paleoconservative. Um, I mean, they'll jump between a million, like these people are largely Nazis. Um, that's the most accurate, right. consistent description of their political beliefs, but they'll, they'll alternate between like a million euphemisms, mostly because it's politically expedient to obfuscate what it is they actually believe. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I mean, to, to their credit, that is true. Uh, it is definitely, um, it, it is, it is definitely to their political benefit to, um, to avoid being explicit and honest. Uh, yeah, it's, you, you, you deal with all the obfuscations and it, it can definitely get frustrating, right. I think. But as long as you're familiar with the underlying talking points, you know where people are coming from. Absolutely. And uh, bringing all of this into academic literature is a, I'm I'm hoping to make this more evident to like the quote unquote normies, you know, just people who are not super engaged in online culture and debate because uh, they're bound to come across these people at some point in their lives. Like they have to go outside eventually. Right. Uh, eventually, you know, um, depends. A lot of a lot of types out there. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, I mean, I'm sure there's quite a few alt writers that just like live exclusively in a basement and then make like leftists live in their mother's basement jokes. Yeah, well, it's um, I, I think a lot of it is really just the idea that there's no way for them to safely leave their own communities. Um, a pretty common practice That's in far true. in far right communities is, you know, people um, they they realize they'll never be able to make like normal friends again, basically because they're they're so like socially fucked um their positions are so out there now that they have no choice but to mm -hmm. stick with their you know these like these people um and what's more uh oftentimes they'll collect information on one another in a sort of paranoid oh you're a fed you're a fed type way and the concern um the concern is that if uh if you leave then out of spite they'll 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 hound you and there are actually cases of like nazi groups that'll kill people who have left their own org i think a lighter version of that is present in a lot of these online forums too where it's like mm -hmm. hey if you go out there and try to live a normal life you're kind of betraying the group and we can ruin your life if we make it known what you believe or used to believe so people stick where they are and it's one of the reasons why i'm a big advocate for the idea yeah. of providing um a space where people can hang out and listen even if they're like just 
off being an alt-righter, because if there's no other step for them to land on, they'll stay where they are. I guess that brings me to another question. Should we, um, in cases where, like, they're not necessarily doing anything harmful, but they are espousing, like, harmful views, should we continue to allow them to be on, like, Twitter and YouTube and Facebook, or should, uh, do you think it would be more efficient if we just said, fuck it, get rid of all of them, they're posting dumb shit? Because, personally, I think that, like, when you cast these people off to their deepest corners of the internet, they'll just continue to remain in that echo chamber. Well, I'm okay with social media sites having terms of service if people are, like, posting hate speech or doing harassment or whatever. As, like, right, a rule, right. though... Right, but, like, aside from that... Right, if, if we're ignoring, I guess, the policy issue and more, like, ethically, like, what's the best way forward, I think you can make a strong argument for deplatforming larger figures... Um, because them being mm -hmm. deplatformed is very rarely to their benefit. But in terms of like trying to expunge all of a given political group from social media, it seems like an exercise in futility. Um, whether you like it or not, like anyone yeah. can make a burner account. Anyone can make like a second, a third, a fourth. Like it's not hard to do. Anyone can do it. Um, and trying to fight against that, it just it feels like trying to like stem the tide of a river with a bucket. Um, the best strategy, I think, is to have um a way of redirecting that energy or that flow you know to to acknowledge and accommodate mm -hmm. their existence in a way that maximizes our political outcomes yeah i can completely get behind that um especially with like the banning large figures angle i don't give a shit about those guys they're never going to be moved um and if they don't genuinely behold uh hold those positions then they're doing even more harm in my opinion because like they're disingenuously promoting something making the world worse. So, yeah. Yeah. And and invariably, like a lot of these people just end up banning their regular rules anyway, right? Like it's, you know, right. special exceptions don't really have to be made. That's one of the things that makes it really difficult to be like conservative on social media sometimes. They just tend to do bigotry more often, obviously. So, if that's like, you know, people say like, "Oh, our terms, you know, Twitter doesn't bias against conservatives. Uh, it biases against people who do racism. Well, that is bias against conservatives. It's just good, you know? But conservatives yeah, exactly. can't they can't admit to that without owning the fact that racism is part of their ideology. So it's, mm -hmm. it's one of those situations where, like, they know, and we know they know, and we know as well, but they can't say anything about it. So, yeah, we're in a non-biased fashion banning racism. Like, let's go. Absolutely. Um, and honestly, if they break the terms of service, they're being little shitheads, you know, they're doing their hate speech and harassment. Good riddance. Get little them off of the balls, fucking yeah. classroom. If they're well, being little goofballs. I, I know why. <laughs> um, yes, uh, the little goober aspect of the conservatives. Um, so... What is the most important thing to focus on when we're studying, like, how right-wing media spreads? Um, is there maybe, like, some specific nuance to it, or...? Uh, like, on what... It would depend platform by platform and from what position you're in. You mean if you're a content creator, uh, creator yourself, or if you're just, like, a regular viewer? I mean more like people who consume the content, um, and that in general. Uh, I... I'm sorry, it's a very poorly worded question. What I mean is, like, do right-wing content producers have some special way of disseminating their content, or is there some unique way that, uh, like, people engaging with right-wing content go further down the rabbit hole? Well, the diversity of tactics is essential, but I also feel like a lot of it is their willingness to disingenuously front their opinions in basically all spaces as a way of concern trolling for their position. So, for example, the explicit... I shouldn't say explicit. The real position that a lot of conservatives have about trans people is that they're degenerates and should be in the closet or they should die. Um, that's like a lot, like a lot of conservatives, they believe that. Um, they believe that for, for about gay people, like, explicitly, up until the 80s, and a lot of them still do today. Like, the idea they don't think that way about trans people is just not true. Of course they do. Um, but instead of just openly saying that, 
they'll go around communities, you know, mm -hmm. being like, oh, well, aren't you concerned about fairness in women's sports? You know, don't you think this? Don't you think that? Now, when they do this stuff, they're being disingenuous. But if you strip away mm -hmm. the dishonesty, the real thing they're doing is taking their political position and advocating for it with subtle, or at least relatively subtle, and less disagreeable arguments that proxy the real position they have. And this, mm -hmm. I think, honestly, is something that we could learn from, you know? So, like, lefties online, if you're a person who consumes content and you use Twitter from time to time and you have these conversations, I feel like some good could be done about not just fronting your pro-minimum wage argument as, like, all caps, $20 minimum wage now. Say that's a good argument. And you know what? Maybe it is. So, but, like, say that's the position you hold. Maybe instead you should be asking questions like, why do you think it's acceptable for a bunch of Americans to starve um, while uh, billionaires make record profits? That was a pretty common mm -hmm. thing that Bernie would push for as well, you know. The, the, the way in which you push for your argument is essential. Finding a way to make it more agreeable to others is essential. And a lot of lefties are so desperate to be seen as the one with like the best position, the one with the wokest position, like, you know, affirmatively, like how far left are you, that they ignore more productive avenues for discourse. The only place where you see that in the in on the far right is like in the far right. Usually you have to be really deep down the alt-right rabbit hole for conservatives to be at the point where mm -hmm. they're competing to be how like the most racist they can be. Like, that's usually something you only see in, like, the most conservative elements of social media. But people on the left will do it at every level. Like, like just regular lefties will be, like, trying to virtue signal. Which is just weird. We, we give up advocacy and effectiveness there. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it really is just disappointing to see that um, conservatives tend to have, like, this better... Uh, at, adaptation to a diversity of tactics than we do um that's why i sincerely think that your content has um changed the way that the online left engages with not just people on the right but also maybe even liberals um people out in the real world uh like just offline it's uh it's refreshing to see i guess yeah, well, if nothing else, I've given people new and unique ways to um, to hate a person. Uh, yeah, exactly. If if nothing else, you know, the, the discourse has been significant. Even if people, um, even if people on the online left strongly dislike me, I would hope that my position and my behavior here would reaffirm to many mm -hmm. of them, at least to many of my viewers, that it's possible to be left leaning and to be very strong and confident about those positions, and also to be right. strategic in how one advocates for them. Yeah, and uh, that's good to see. Uh, so I'm only familiar with like Twitter and YouTube, and I know that you are also a fellow millennial boomer, so you like, venture into the land of TikTok very often. But um, do you think without like TikTok's super targeted algorithm works and like, I guess just the sheer amount of time a lot of uh, people spend on TikTok, should I also be looking into uh, political figures on TikTok to see if they've uh, been engaging with like this right wing content over One, there. Yeah, one hundred percent. I feel like in a way TikTok represents like the conclusion, or at least closer to a conclusion, of the content, uh, like the algorithm content targeting, um, because. On YouTube, like, on first of all, on Twitter, whether you like it or not, you're probably going to see people you disagree with. Like, you have to make an effort to right. avoid them. On YouTube, the way YouTube recommendations work on the front page, you're, you're usually going to see stuff kind of broadly in your category. Um, on TikTok, that's not the case. On TikTok, you, like, if you want to, you can create a bubble and TikTok will go, mm -hmm. yes, a bubble is what you want, a bubble is what we'll give you. And they will just make the biggest echo chamber in the world. Um, for, for you to just stick your head in mm -hmm. and never move from. And as a product of that, it's also a product of the medium um, because the way TikTok videos are formatted and the way the culture of TikTok has developed, there's definitely, like, very little room for nuance. You know, they're shorter videos. I mean, you know, like, Twitter also doesn't leave right. much room for nuance, but it's... I mean, people can make Twitter threads if they want to, and also people don't tend to use Twitter for... Um, 
people, I feel like people don't get their political opinions from Twitter. People use Twitter to find other people with their political opinions and have fun with it. They tend to get their political opinions yeah. on like YouTube or in real life. And Twitter is a place to, to re reinforce them and to find social spaces within them. YouTube people find their political opinions there because, of course, you know, it's YouTube. TikTok, I think people mm -hmm. do as well. Uh, yeah, and this is also really interesting in regards to uh, media effects theory and um, political socialization research. It's um, in the age of the internet where we are online so often and we are engaging politically online, um, I really do think that the primary socializers are going to shift. Um, to the just... Zoomer hype squad TikTok users? Yeah, exactly. Or, you know, uh, YouTube, just because <laughs> I almost feel like I know a lot of people. Well, maybe not me personally. I've met a lot of people in my university who are like freshmen. They are pure Zoomer, you know, they're like little 18 year olds. And I realize I'm not that much older than them, but it feels like an entirely different world over there. They're talking about how they saw TikToks about the Supreme Court um, Senate confirmation hearings, and I'm almost a little bit bewildered that they're uh, they're getting all this information from their TikTok. Yeah, it's pretty weird to think about. Um, I I do think that TikTok is an inherently inferior medium for for political education um, because there's just the, the way that. The way that app is developed is just not, it just does not encourage nuance, you know. I know that, I know YouTube has its problems and all, but I feel like TikTok has all those problems plus a few more. Um, mm -hmm. And it, it feeds so much into like your immediate like dopamine addiction, next video, next video, keep scrolling, that you just sort of right. mindlessly consume stuff in a way that isn't mm -hmm. the case in YouTube videos in quite the same way. Um... Which which can be an issue, yeah. It seems like the political space is going to move more and more towards dogmatism with time, which I'm concerned about. Um, but if that's if that's yeah. to be the way things pan out, I want that dogmatism to be on our side, like you know, uh, to our favor as much as possible. Yeah, it almost feels like a little bit of an inverse of like uh, 2014 to 2016. Um, that's when I started to like engage online politically. And I came into, like, the Gamergate space. If anybody knows who Internet Aristocrat is, he's, like, a Nazi now. Uh, but he used to make, like, anti-SJW videos. I watched that shit, and if I had kept watching that shit, I might have come across his Nazi content. And that's mortifying. But um, I guess right now, uh, what we're seeing is a lot of people on TikTok who are... Um, engaging with like lefty content but it's um you you definitely made a point about this earlier in stream and i'm trying to remember how you phrased it but you said that uh you don't want people to just be like morally lucky that's kind of what i'm thinking about right now i don't want people to uh just be leftist because they're leftists i want them to consider their perspectives and be leftist because we have the best arguments you know yeah, like yeah, ideally you would you would always want it to be something that develops organically from a person's positions. The 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 goal the goal would be that you could you could give a person a set of tools for analyzing problems and then after doing so, you could give them any information on any situation no matter how hypothetical and they could use those tools to always arrive at like the correct position. Um obviously Absolutely. it's never that simple in in practice, but that's like that's kind of like the philosophical goal. Um, you do the best you can within that. You gotta start teaching them when they're young, you know? Like, uh, encourage more critical thinking in, um, just K through 12. Oh yeah, just critical thinking would be all you really need. Um, critical thinking, basic sociological analysis. You, you don't, you don't want or need to teach them, like young people, I mean, any specific political bias. Because, again, like, right. it, it wouldn't be good to have people who are left-leaning just because they've been told to be left-leaning. Um, you know? I guess I guess mm -hmm. it's the it's the difference between telling a kid like you have to be nice to gay people and telling a kid um you know a, a person's sexuality and romantic interests shouldn't change how you treat them. 
because in the in, right. in the former is dogmatism, the latter is an ethical stance that can be applied uh, broadly in the future and is more useful and more informative. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think I ended up actually on that uh, anti SJW like side of YouTube because I had already formed like the the ethical stance. You shouldn't treat someone differently based on their uh, race, gender, or sexuality. Like, I had already agreed with the left-wing position. However, um, the the way that the arguments were being framed, it's like, oh, they're uh, being discriminatory towards white people in the sense that they're saying... Um, I don't know. The, the fucking white people dreads arguments... Um, or something else along those lines. You, no, you yeah, you you, you weaponize that logic. Um, a huge part of the early exactly. Gamergate ar arguments were an attempt at pointing out perceived hypocrisy on the part of feminists and what have you um, by saying that they're they're doing a bad job of representing the values that they claim to hold that you actually have. You know, um, right. I, I remember Sargon of Akkad used to, you know, like he was a, a classical liberal and an egalitarian. And his concern was that modern feminists were crazy um, and they were actually all man-hating. And don't get me wrong, there are man-hating feminists and all. Um, most of them are TERFs. So, you know, there's that. But And of course, True. Carl likes TERFs. But um, the... Um, in, in in terms of Good old um, Carl gone. Well, right in in terms of um how to properly like weaponize arguments you know use the logic the other person already has um work within it and we can do this too by the way um when you're arguing with conservatives like you should be arguing from the values you already know they at least claim to hold if you're arguing mm -hmm. uh you know argue for small government values when you're talking about the need to um prevent conservative policies from having the government police like people in their bedrooms uh argue in favor of building strong families when you talk about welfare programs talk about stuff right. like national defense when you talk about like green energy because it provides energy independence use the values you know they already have to lead you to your solutions absolutely and uh i kind of learned how to do that from watching your content Thank um you. <laughs> i actually one of my one of my roommates who's watching now, um, I've been able to like provide uh, better political information for her um, because I now understand better how to like share my ideals and like explain concepts in a way that's like not going to uh, raise any red flags or make me sound dogmatic, um, which is definitely not what I want to do, you know? Right, right. Well, you, you never want to sound dogmatic. You should always, you should always sound like you're capable of at least hearing out what other people have to say or, or, or understanding the reasons why they've arrived at their conclusions. Um, because if you can't do that, there's not really any reason for them to try with you. Um, you've, the moment you indicate either explicitly or implicitly that your position cannot be changed you you remove from them mm -hmm. any reason to um to have their position be changed by you yeah exactly um my mother is a conservative and i struggle with this with her all the time so i yeah i i've been there it's it's rough um it's funny she actually thinks that i'm the one who's like immovable when my political positions have changed drastically over the last like four years it's often a projection right you know um it, oftentimes people will accuse you of not listening or not being interested in what they have to say or of being stubborn when you just don't think their reasoning is very good i've been told that from people who have not actually presented any arguments at all which is always a little frustrating it's like you know you, you do have to make some effort before i'll change my mind yeah, exactly. It's like if you give a half-assed argument, who's going to be uh, convinced by that? That's just pathetic. Um, yeah, or, or or no argument at all. Um, a lot of that people too. on the left seem to have given up on the concept of making uh, an argument. They they I, I think a lot of them feel like it's beneath them because their positions are already correct, and by making an argument, they have to engage in all of these like laborious processes of 
um, you know, listening and hearing and responding and what have you to people whose positions are just so self-evidently incorrect. And I understand that frustration, but this mm -hmm. is also like basically a suicide pact, you know? Politics is frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> you can't like you you can't you can't decide that the entire politics of process or, or the, the entire process of politics, my apologies, is beneath you because it's tedious or frustrating or because other people are so self-evidently wrong. We would never get anywhere with that. Yeah. Um, also, I just wanted to address chat really quick. Uh, I'm not watching chat right now, but my roommates are. And it's, it's funny. Uh, the roommate I was referring to is straight. She's the only straight person I know. I swear to God. And uh, she saw whoever made the, and they were roommates comment. I just wanted to let you know that you are appreciated and I love you. Um, don't worry. I also don't know any straight people. <laughs> They're so hard to find these days. Yeah, I mean, truly the, the a dying straighty. breed. Uh, I mean, I guess you do know one straight person, uh, Evil Vosh, Vosh, uh, who accidentally gets called straight all the time. Right, right, yes. The the um, the uh, 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 extremely heterosexual person um, who is uh, uh, who, who sometimes takes control of my stream when I'm not looking. The ultra straight, super misogynistic, uh, Vouch, our our greatest enemy, truly. He's the one trying to break down the fortress. We look <laughs> the same, so you never know who you're talking to. It's really, it really is is good okay. having the evil twin you can pin everything else on. Um. Oh, uh, uh, uh sorry, I I forgot to say something earlier with regards to uh, politics. Um, in terms of like the willingness to engage and everything. Um, I also think a lot of it is about making it fun. Um, politics by its nature is not the most fun thing in the world. Half of it because it's tedious and the other half because it's stressful. Um, but I do yeah. think it's possible to make politics reasonably entertaining to engage in. Um, and this is also something the right is much better at than the left. Because the left in its preachiness and in its gatekeeping has a tendency to make... Um, political engagement a process of self-flagellation you know of apologizing for your perceived misgivings of issuing corrections of self-checking of introspection now introspection is good we should engage in it but we should we should want to engage in introspection for the process of self-betterment it should be something we do because mm -hmm. we want to not because the eyes are always on us um because being pressured into like this constant like, you know, this is obviously a stereotype with the left to an extent, but there's always this, especially if you're like a white guy, for example, you know, like you have to be quiet, sit still and listen. And like, don't get me wrong. It can be very good to do all of those things. You should be careful when you talk on some issues as well. Privilege, blah, blah, blah. Um, but like, for God's sake, let's have some fun with life. Okay. If we hyper fixate on all the things you need to do, the checklist you have to fill out, before you're allowed to engage politically, people will simply not join your side of the political aisle, um, especially if the right is the one that's constantly weaponizing comedy as a way of making right. their points. So important to remember. And um, I plan to go into academia in the future. God rest my soul. Um, mm -hmm. and, uh, teaching politics to people is something I currently do. I'm a tutor, I, I do SI, um, all that fun stuff. So trying to make it more engaging and fun and like relevant to people, that's that's all my jam. Um, and I, I do encourage more people to like enter political science just because we need more left-wing people in the field of political science. Um, as of right now, I feel like the lone socialist, like braving the wilds against like a sock dem, a closeted socialist, like a conservative, a liberal, another liberal, and a libertarian. So, not to call out my entire poli sci department, by the way, but like you know, <laughs> it's a it's a good discipline. Please join. I'm begging. It is absolutely a valid discipline. I, um, it's um, it's it's yeah. I I mean yeah. I don't know. 
Um, it's about the politics of the politics of self-evidency, right? Um, the more people feel like they need to fight for what they believe in, the more they're going to fight for what they believe in. And the more people feel like their positions are yeah. just this self-evident, inevitable, like, product of history. This is, I, I think this misinterpretation of Marx's determinist political philosophy is one of the most damaging thing to, things to the left, because there are a lot of people who seem to believe that, like, because the historical processes Marx spoke of, he claimed were inevitable. Therefore, like, nothing needs to be done. Like, it's going to happen. And in the meantime, you don't need to worry that much about strategy or anything like that. It's pretty frustrating. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you actually were originally a political science major in university, right? Before switching to sociology? You're correct. What, um, just out of, I know this isn't like related to the research study interview specifically, but, um, what specifically made you switch from, uh, political science to sociology? I didn't like how amoral the framing was with political science. Um, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm uninterested in a discipline which seeks to describe why people do things. And I'm very interested in disciplines which seek to describe how we can change people's behavior. Um, because there was this tendency in the classes that I took, and I know this isn't going to be all elements of political science or whatever, but it was definitely like a pretty frequent thing where it just seemed like, it was just like, I don't know, like, well, why? You, you see this a lot with like the realists that I've been fucking talking shit about with regards oh, to God, yeah. the Ukraine situation where it's like, well, why why is Russia invading Ukraine? Well, blah, 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 blah. And that's why Russia's... That's, I don't care why they are. like, Or at least I should say, I do care why, but the why is secondary. The why is meant to inform the how do we stop them, you know? Like, understanding why things happen in the world, as far as I'm concerned, is only useful insofar as it gives us control over making good things happen in the future and preventing bad things from happening. Right. That's but, how I feel about political science. And uh, it does frustrate me sometimes when I'm trying to, like, make an argument and I'm being told, hey, you need to stop narrativizing as much. It's uh, you have a very strong narrative voice, but this is a science paper. So, you know. Yeah, which is dumb because, of course, there's no such th this is a humanities course. It's not an actual science. Um, the things you're pre-selecting for in a poli-sci class are going to be biased. Um, no matter how you try to frame it, that is always going to be the case. You can't work your way out of that. Um, people mm -hmm. talk about this in economics as well. Like, you know, sure, we're humanities, but we're also a real science because we have, you know, hypotheses that we test for and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, okay, but you still inform public policy and the hypotheses that you're testing for are ones you subjectively determined to be valuable. You could find some economic right. theory for maximizing GDP, which is literally empirically precise, down to the fourth decimal point every time, no matter how many factors you add. And it wouldn't change the fact that your decision that GDP is worth maximizing is a subjective one, and a pretty contentious one at that. Yep, I agree. Um, there's actually like a subset of political scientists who do include things like how to address these problems when they crop up. And that's kind of where I aim to be. Um, I want to include in this paper, uh, like a section on how uh, other countries handle uh, far right radicalization, um, how it's being handled right now, stuff like that. I don't want to ever leave something like this open-ended. I don't want to just be like, yeah, there sure are some people moving farther, right? That exists. Well, yeah, and, and even then, like, you know, a, a, a normative bias can inform, in a positive sense, like what you're looking for or looking to do as well. Um, maybe, maybe a person would never even think to analyze uh, conservative radicalization without some pre-existing left-leaning bias. There's an infinite mm -hmm. amount of knowledge to obtain in the world. You know, it's not it's it's not as though we can know everything. We make choices on what to focus on. It's, we we need like a good system to give us that um, informative bias. Absolutely. Um, is the future of right wing radicalization in your uh, like from your perspective still going to be online after 
uh, how YouTube and Twitter have been kind of cracking down on uh, right-wing figures, and not even just right-wing figures, but like, there was that whole massive purge after Trump was banned. I, I don't know if you remember that, but it, it was like the majority of his followers were just taken out in one fell swoop. It, it was a little bit funny. Uh, it was. Um, it will, but it's mostly going to be on like Facebook. It's it's QAnon. Uh, QAnon mm. is to uh, QAnon is the future of online far right radicalization, and it's going to be like boomer posting about how like Nancy Pelosi eats baby fetuses at night or whatever. Like it's all going to turn into like crazy Facebook conspiracy shit, um, because like that cr that crazy conspiracy shit has always come across as kind of like innocuous enough to mm -hmm. avoid the same denunciation that open Nazi posting has brought about, you know? The more nonsensical your right. conspiracy theories are, the um, the less derision they'll attract, which is one of the reasons why the Flat Earth Movement has never been taken seriously and never received much real denunciation, even though a ton of Flat Earthers were Nazis, and now a ton of them have moved over into QAnon, which is basically a Nazi movement. Um, yeah. So it, it now ultimately the underlying conspiracy here was about the same. Listen to the way um, flat earthers talk about the world. You know, um, they talk about how a globalist secret, uh, in, like an international conspiracy uh, from a shady group of powerful people is seeking to dethrone God and control all of humanity. Um, through like this like propagandized media at corporate and statewide info or disinfo campaign to deny humans the blah blah blah. If you look at the underlying like moral precepts, um, mm -hmm. yeah, same basic shit, right? Um, but it's also yeah. wacky that they don't. It doesn't get all the the denunciation explicit not Nazi posting would. So yeah, you know, I don't know. In my mind, I've always, like, separated these, uh, like, all-right shit posters and, you know, the, the the Zoomers that are becoming Nazis from, like, you know, the boomers on the QAnon side, you know? I, I, I think of those as, like, separate groups online. Um, should I be, like, reframing this, how I'm thinking about this? Because uh, what I'm really concerned with is, like... Um, how how Gen Z is like responding to online engagement, um, but if it's if it's going to continue to be like mostly boomers on Facebook, let's be honest, the boomers aren't going to last very long. Like they, uh, ten to twenty years. I think around both there, groups right? both groups see the other group as politically useful and are being used by the people with actual power. So you have people like Madison Cawthorn or Marjorie Taylor Greene who have an audience simultaneously of far-right, like, Zoomer neo-Nazis and of QAnon posters. Um, I, both of them are useful to the same uh, group of, like, actually effective political agents, um, even mm -hmm. though they might not interact with each other very much. Like, I bet, I bet you most, like, Zoomer neo-Nazis probably find the Boomer QAnon posters to be, like, cringe and, like, super crazy and unhinged. And I imagine right. the QAnon Facebook moms probably don't even know about the Zoomer Nazi posting. Uh, there's like this mutual yeah. exclusivity there. But both of them will vote Republican and both of them will signal boost like the big important movements. January 6th, right. uh, like the trucker movement, that kind of stuff. So it's really about like whether or not there are people with real power capable of effectively utilizing these similar but distinct political groups. Yeah, I, I can completely see that. Um, it does hurt to know that the left doesn't like rally behind, uh, you know, our big left-wing movements and figures as much um, as we could. There's just like this anti-electoralism sentiment, which on one hand, I get, but like on the other hand, just treat it like uh, you know an honorary duty. You know, you're you're doing your honorary duty to prevent uh, crazy people from running your country. Oh uh, yeah, well, yeah, I've, I've I've had these arguments. It'll continue to be a problem, I'm sure. I'm sure, um, especially in the future. Good luck with the 2024 elections, by the way, because I know Biden said he wouldn't run again. So uh, 
we're, we're going to be seeing two primaries again. Yeah, well, good luck with the um, with the with the coming midterms. Jesus, um, we're about to get rocked in, in the Senate uh, and, and in the House. We'll see if we even keep the House with how bad things are looking to uh, to get. Oh, hello? Hello? Did I get her? Why does this keep happening? Hard enough to be beat these enemies. Push to talk? Hello? Uh-huh. Well, I'm guessing that she just disconnected because she's not connected. I think she was saying goodbye. If that if that was her saying goodbye and then dropping, that was like a Giga Stacy move. You know? Wait, no, she rejoined. Can you hear me now? Hello. Hi. I'm so sorry. My Discord fucking died on me. Uh, no worries. I forgive you. Like we said, Discord hates me, and I guess you now as well. Um, it hates you personally, and through transference, now it's on me. True, it's it's infectious. Um, you're also on Putin's hit squad, or hit list now, um, thanks to your so association with me. Um, memes aside, though, um, did you have any other questions? I was probably going to only do a short stream tonight, largely because I haven't eaten, and that was a stupid move before a stream. Yeah, that's fair. I heard you say I haven't eaten any solid food today, and I was like, wow, that sounds like a really bad decision. Um, <laughs> I don't have anything else, but if there's anything else you'd like to add, uh, it would be greatly appreciated. I think I covered most of my talking points here. Um, I, I, I don't know... Oh, Christ. Wait, really? Both? Okay. We're about to die. Um, I, um... Jesus. The boss about to kick your ass, or... Yeah, I'm just submitting to the mob here. Let it be. Um, Fair enough. Uh, with, with regards to, um... Oh, God, how am I gonna... Okay. With regards to, um... Online far-right radicalization, I'm interested in seeing how, like, the Zoomer far-right moves forward, I guess, because it does seem like right now the QAnon group is far more politically expedient. Um, it's right. possible that we might see a different uh, move and that the Zoomers are actually going to be the more moderate ones on the conservative end. I could, I could imagine that a group of conservatives who are inspired by Ben Shapiro types end up being, like, these... Mm -hmm nerdy policy wonk conservatives who have like heckin rational argumentarinos against trans women in bathrooms or something like the boomers are all these crazy QAnon posters and then all the like tiktok conservatives are um y y do you know what i mean yeah i do um they're trying to be like the, the rational reasonable ones Ugh. yeah yeah i see where you're coming from um uh, research does show that there's like a moderation effect over time. Uh, I'm not so sure how much that's going to apply to Gen Z because whenever I talk about this with another like political scientist, they're always like, yeah, I knew a bunch of like socialists during the Bush years uh, who were like engaging and uh, volunteering and stuff. And I'm like, cool, but like how socialist were they? Because I don't think you're really getting the scope of how socialist these people are. You get me? Oh yeah, or it's like, it's like when people it's like when conservatives say that they used to be like super liberal or whatever, and then right, it, it's like no, you no, you weren't. Like come come on, like every single one of you says that. Like no, you weren't. You just you vaguely thought that like being gay was okay. And and now that you're, like, very far right, in your mind, that was you being, like, a super liberal lefty socialist or whatever. Every single time I see a conservative say that, they have no fucking clue, like, none whatsoever, what, um, mm -hmm. what, what being a socialist actually is. They can't even, like, describe their old positions, so it's, it's, it's pretty fake, I'd say. Pretty psyop. It's like when, uh, when Carl was calling himself a classical liberal. That was, that was hilarious. Love that. I think he still does. 
But does he, does he call himself something else now? I, I don't know. But yeah, no, it's, it's I pretty, mean, pretty I don't think he knows anything Locke has said. So uh, personally, I'm not too inclined to take him out as word. Um, but uh, I do want to let you go eat. I had some chicken nuggies earlier um, as a as a proud Voshite. We are legion after all. I think I'm going um, to join you in a couple of minutes. I, uh, is it cool if I give her, like, a couple quick shout-outs? Please. Uh, I, I will also say that Sargon of Akkad is unironically, I mean this without a hint of hyperbole, fully sincerely, maybe one of the only people I've ever seen or encountered online who I could believe could be a neo-Nazi without knowing it. Like, I feel like, I feel like Sargon could f believe everything. Like, you know, um, su Aryan supremacy, uh, like, uh, you know, Jewish question, like, all that. Everything and genuinely in his head think that he's actually like a reasonable classical liberal um he does seem like the type and all the all the sjw's have just gone too far i actually i i like it's remarkable i think he has an amazing brain i i've never thought about it but yeah you're right holy shit sargon could do that he could delude himself if he like had all these crazy conspiracy theories and still think yeah, I'm a classical liberal, or, you know, whatever his stupid Britbonger accent sounds like. I'm sorry, uh, the Anglophobia is acting up. Another Voshite tendency. I think it's just because <laughs> usually when other, like, conservative people lie about their ideology, like Fuentes or whatever, for political expediency, like, it's usually evident that they're doing it, or it's like with a wink and a nudge, but, like, I've heard Carl defend adamantly the right. idea. Like, like, he seems to actually get angry when it's questioned. Like, like, his liberal values or whatever. So I don't know, man. Maybe maybe he's deep in the sauce. I I just I, I don't know. Fair enough. Um but yeah, anyway, uh, um yeah, hit me up. I wanted to ask you really quickly by the way, hmm? who's your favorite Game of Thrones character? Before like I give my uh, Discord and stuff because I I do want chat to like DM me if they have anything that they want to share or like anything that could help me with the project, especially if they have any um stories about deradicalization, but like you know, who's your favorite Game of Thrones character? Uh, I don't, I don't really have strong opinions on Game of Thrones specifically. Um, I mean, Oberyn Martell was 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 really was really cool. I liked him while, while he was around. Um, I like the Hound a lot. Uh, Tyrion obviously yeah. is like a fan yeah. favorite for a reason because he's like so darn likable. Um, yeah, I think those would probably. Those would probably be my three. Uh, my, my three. Oh, Brienne. Brienne as well. Um, God, I, yes. I, I really liked Brienne. her. For me, the highlight of the show by far was um, Brienne and um, the Hound fighting. That was so good. That was so good. I love that fight. But uh, <laughs> chat can totally judge me for this, but my favorite character is Peter Baelish, and I will not retract that statement. Um, Peter Baelish. You'll have to remind me. That's on the record. Peter Baelish? That's Littlefinger, sorry. Oh, Littlefinger. Ah, I see, because yeah. you're, you're a bad person? Yeah, exactly. I'm a horrible person. Um, yeah, I remember him being cool for, like, the first couple of seasons. I f it felt like he got less relevant as time, gone on, time went on. I don't to really be know. fair, it's because the writers didn't know how to write him, so they wrote him out and then killed him. Uh, but I digress. A few I, I never watched past the yeah, fourth cool. season, so I'm I only have like heard of the bad You've stuff. I haven't spared. seen it myself. Thank God. Yeah, don't don't ever think that you've ever missed anything. You didn't, except for uh, Jorah conf confessing his love for Danny. That one show Jorah only, not book Jorah. Book Jorah, we condemn. We disown. We we disown. Um. Uh, we disavow. Sorry. I'll take your word uh, for it. <laughs> so my Discord is uh, Charlotte the Ghost. I'm on your Discord server. I, I would like it if people could DM me um, their stories. If they have anything they want to like reach out to in relation to this project, that would be great. Um, if you just want to say hi to, you know, you guys are welcome. I love chat. You guys have been wonderful. My friends have been sending me what you guys have been saying throughout the conversation. And it's it's really put a smile on my face. Um, I'd like I to believe also... that my chat generally offers people a, a, a friendly reception. Oh, absolutely. We have a great community. 
I'd also like to give a shout out to my, I don't want to be like linked to my online identity because I am using my actual name and university in this study. So if anybody ever found it, you know, all that good stuff, I want to be like kicked out of school for saying socialism's cool, you know? They might know you like um, me. Yeah, it'd be very, uh, very damaging your career. <laughs> I don't think that'll get me kicked out or discounted from any like graduate programs, though. Right, um, right, I want to give a we'll shout out we'll to see. my friend's Twitter. Uh, it's at Piper Pie underscore. She posts the dumbest shit ever, and it's very funny. Please blow her up. I love her. She's a trans girl who uh, is also like um, probably the first real cat girl. Um, I made her profile picture. She's a very sweet person. Um, and I have baby pictures for you. Would you like to see some very good baby pictures? Uh, yeah, hit me up with you. Her name's Andromeda. She's spoiled and mean, but I love her. My cats are spoiled and also very friendly. Ooh. I can see why you named her Andromeda. There's so many colors. Isn't she gorgeous? That's <laughs> She's I'm got so, so much that... shit going on. Oh my god, it's like a fucking furry OC. Right? There are so many highlights. <laughs> we love them. I'm glad I get to share my baby with the world. Alright, you take care. Have a good nuggy dinner. Um, thank you for chatting with me. Always. Uh, have a wonderful night. You as well.